Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to one of my dearest friends, Bob Klein. Bob Klein and I have known each other for years. We met through a mutual friend. He was one of the incredible actors of a play I produced called Who Lives? And we have the kidney thing in common. I mean, he's had two transplants. I've had four. I'm a little bit of an overachiever. Um, so welcome to the program, Bob. Well, thank you very much. Yes, you are, you're an overachiever in every way. I guess so. I, I don't want other people to be an overachiever. You don't need four kidneys. Just one would be plenty. Boy, I hope not. Uh, this one's doing fine right now, and I'll knock on uh, all surfaces. I know. It's been wonderful. Well, you know... You had an incident uh, a little while back about, you know, walking out of the gym and being hit by somebody crazily going down the sidewalk on a skateboard. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> and, um, you know, the focus of this show is to really talk about wounds. And, and you're going to give some of your experience and what we need to do. So can you, can you take us back to that day? That fateful day, yes. I had had a wonderful workout at the gym, was feeling healthy. There I was in my shorts uh, on the sidewalk, um, actually, and I've been to the ATM, and I was walking away, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw some kids back there on skateboards, didn't think much of it. Next thing I knew, I, I uh, heard a noise behind, right behind me, and an instant slam into my leg uh, as he tried to uh, stop his skateboard by stepping on the back, you know, and the front comes up. Mm-hmm. Well, it came up into my leg, my calf, and uh, I knew instantly uh, I was in for it. Um, it uh, it blew up like a balloon right there on the spot. It was amazing. You should have seen it. And what happened? Did the kid just take off? Uh, no, he actually fell. And uh, I, I must admit, I you might say I overreacted. Well, I didn't hit him or anything. <laughs> but I, I did yell because I knew I was in for it. I was in for a siege. And I've had so many injuries in my calves and shins. I mean, I've had doctors uh, take a look at my legs for the first time and go, boy, you've got a battleground here. Because the scars on, uh, it's uncanny. I've never met anybody with, with scars like that on, the, on their shins and calves. And I knew this was going to be a, uh, this was going to be a, uh, an addition to the collection. And it was going to be, uh, well, a front runner, if, if not the, uh, the creme de la creme. So when the wound, you know, basically you saw that you had a, a wound, what did you do? It was, well, it was a contusion. Okay. Like, kind of like blew up and looked blue and just kind of like a bruise. Yeah. Well, it was, the blue hadn't quite, well, you know, I could see it was trying to turn blue, but it was big and puffy and I knew I had to get home and raise it and, and ice it and uh, that was my mistake. Um, I did ice it and I didn't adequately cover the ice. I had it in a plastic bag, um, and I didn't have a good cloth around it because I, it didn't feel cold enough. You know, I figured I really had to freeze it, and, and that's what I did. And um, that was my big mistake. 
because uh, had I just left it, really, and done nothing, I probably wouldn't have gone through the misery that I was going to go through. So this was the first day you iced it, put it up. What happened the second day? Did you see the doctor? I, I did, actually. I did go to a doctor, and that was a mistake, too. <laughs> uh, not that I went to a doctor. It's the doctor that I, I picked. I went to a sports doctor, mm-hmm. and I now realize that they're really not equipped for wounds, per se. Especially for transplant patients. This was on my skin and under my skin. And uh, I did see him a couple of times uh, over the next couple of weeks. And uh, he said, well, it doesn't look like it's infected. It seems to be okay. And cause I, Oh, let me say this. I immediately, I, I want to backtrack a bit. Uh, it didn't take long after this icing that I noticed that I developed uh, what looked like a blood blister. The skin actually separated, which is what happens when you freeze a wound like that. It causes your skin layers to separate. And what was underneath percolated into this blood blister, which was pretty incredible. It was big. I remember seeing the picture. You you, you shared it with me. Yes. <laughs> I only did that with my closest friend. <laughs> it was a pretty scary looking thing. And the doctor said, we'll just leave it alone and we'll cover this and... And there you have it. Well, uh, I, I guess you could say I nursed it for a couple of weeks, but then it started to get worse. And um, three weeks out, I still had it bandaged up. Uh, or shortly before that, it started to actually break down. And, and I, I don't want to get too graphic here, but it started to leak. So not only was it ugly, but it was messy. Mm-hmm. And did it hurt? Was it painful? I had a job. I had a cartoon job. Mm-hmm. And it was a long one on my feet. Uh, two shows for like seven hours standing up. And I, I guess I could have sat down, but I wanted to be a team player and I stood up. Well, I wasn't feeling so well through this session. I was feeling a little feverish and my leg was really hurting. And so when I got home, I looked at it. It, it, it was red. Uh, redder than it had been, and I knew that I had to do something. So early the next morning, I called a wound center in town. Um, they were connected with feeders, and uh, I figured they'd be good ones to call. So I managed to get right in there, and this fellow took a look at my leg and said, you've got to go into the hospital today. Wow. Uh, he said, this is infected. And uh, this could be very serious. And that's all I had to hear. Got my my buddy Joe to drive me to Cedars. Boy, oh boy. You can't, you can't afford the parking if you have to be admitted. <laughs> and they have a lousy, it's a great hospital. But they've got a lousy system for admissions under those circumstances. Because you have to sit in the emergency room and wait. And we were there for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. So there I am with this leg that was really hurting, feeling feverish still. I, it was over 100. And finally they got me upstairs to a room and uh, I was scheduled for surgery the next morning. Now, did it cross your mind that this could put your kidney in, in, at risk? Uh, you know, uh, kind of. But it could also put my whole body at risk <laughs> and my leg. Because these are the, you know, you hear about infections all the time. Uh, 
we seem to be living in the age of infections. We're always reading about somebody taking a swim there, having a little scratch here or there, and next thing you know, God knows what. You know, it's horrible. So all those things were crossing my mind. Because not only did I have a little scratch, I had a big, ugly-looking thing on my leg. And uh, so it did. It did actually cross my mind. And when you went in, you had surgery, so they were trying to take the whole area of the leg out? Is that what the goal was? They wanted to, as they say, debris the whole area. And let me tell you, uh, when I, after that surgery, when they took the dressing off for the first time uh, the next day after that, and I got a look at my leg, I think I showed you that picture too. You did. I've seen all of them. I guess I love that you love to share. (laughs) I do love to share because that's the kind of guy I am. (laughs) Uh, But again, only with my closest friends. Um, But it it looked like uh, a grouper's gaping maw on my leg. I mean, a big fish mouth open because they had, it was boat shaped because they had to really cut back a lot of material to get to the so-called good stuff. That stuff that wasn't compromised, you know, and so this is how they had to do it, and it went all the way down to the muscle. I don't want to get too graphic, but it was, I guess I already have, too late, but uh, it, 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 was, it was uncanny. I'd never seen anything like that. And what was the time that you had to have surgery on this from the actual incident in front of the gym? Well, we'll say three weeks, give or take a day or two. And... Now, what did the doctors say when you were in the hospital, especially the transplant doctors? I'm sure they rounded on you. Did they give you a look? Like, what were you thinking? Well, actually, no, because I had nothing to do. Well, you mean in terms of my wound, my own wound care? Yes. Well, I thought I was being seen by a doctor. So aside from my initial stupidity, or ignorance, really, because I didn't know any better, no one says, do not place directly on skin. You know, ice, that is. Um, aside from that, I, I had been under a doctor's care, so I thought, but this snuck up on me and right under the doctor's nose. Well, and it, it's interesting because if you're a transplant patient and you take immune suppressant drugs, sometimes other doctors don't always understand that you're, it's such risk for infection based on the medication you take every day. Do you think that may have played a role with the sports doctor? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, I did, I did give him my history, but perhaps it didn't really sink in. He didn't really know the ramifications of taking these medications. And, I mean, I've been on prednisone for a very long time, uh, maintenance dose, because it's been so long that, I mean, I guess just to achieve baseline level, I've got to take five milligrams a day. Right. You know, because it sort of shut off my uh, cortisol production. So so I, I've been taking that for a long time. Plus, the I take uh, tacrolimus, Prograft. And uh, so, uh, you know, my immune system is a bit compromised, I'm sure. But I guess it didn't really register. It didn't register. And you're not diabetic, but if you're diabetic, I mean, you, you know, you're double the risk for some type of wound. Um, now, I know a couple of people that have had small wounds in their feet or their legs, and they didn't really see them, and they ended up in hyperbaric chambers trying to save their, their foot, or and they had no idea. So, you know, when you're diabetic, you don't have any feeling, and they can't feel the wound. But you felt this. 
you obviously felt it, so that wasn't an issue. But that can be a risk factor for people who have neuropathy or don't have feelings, and you know they have an ingrown toenail that turns into a disaster. Yeah, I, I believe me, I thought about that too. But then it, it sort of made me feel a little more confident that things would turn out all right because I wasn't a diabetic. Was, I figured, you know... I'm healthy enough. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I did learn a lesson from this. and uh, oh. So, you know, I think it's interesting because I actually, um, a, a few weeks ago... I came home and I was at the gym and I on my elbow I it turned out to be a huge blister type of thing on my my elbow and it got bigger and bigger <laughs> and you know it obviously wanted to pop it was some kind of um you know pimple or what's it called I'm trying to think of the term um, not blister. What is a it? A carbuncle or a carbuncle or one of those? Well, I don't know. Some little thing that was there. It gets bigger than a pimple and it, it hurts more. And like it, it's like a cyst or there's a term for it and I can't remember what that is. But anyways, um, you know, it started to get bigger and bigger. And then, of course, my brain's like, oh, my God, I got MRSA at the gym. I got this. I got that. Right. And so I was taking pictures of it every day. And I didn't send them to you, Bob. I, I, oh, oh, man, I can still send them to you, though. They're in my file somewhere. But um, I started to take pictures of it to see the changes of it so I wouldn't, you know, go into a sense of denial. Right. And then I got to one point and I sent my, my nephrologist a picture. And I just luckily had a urinary tract infection at the same time. And he says, I think that's going to clear it up too. You're covered. Right. And um, with that antibiotic. And it did go away. But I watched that sucker because it has to kind of go through the process yes. of, um, uh, you know. Of maturing, of, as they say. Exactly. And you have to watch it. And it's going to go one way or another. And, you know, for people listening, if you have any kind of wound, especially if you're immunocompromised, you know, they can turn in a heartbeat and wreak havoc with your lives in so many ways. And, you know, uh, those of us who go to the gym or do any kind of work that makes us perspire and uh, rub our skin here or there, uh, these things can happen, and, and they've certainly happened to me. We're in places where I, well, where I, get, where I get sweaty, you know, and I've had those too. And uh, you wonder, boy, is it going to get any bigger? Uh, is it time to sell? Uh, right. I, I don't know. But what I'll tell you one thing uh, I did learn, and I can share this. Perhaps it might be a good idea to get a prescription from your doctor for um, an antibiotic ointment um, that is prescription strength, mm -hmm. something more than your basic neosporin or or over-the-counter antibiotic ointment that's a little bit that's stronger because if you're compromised, you want to be able to treat these things as they happen. You don't want to have to go to the doctor every time because more often than not, it's not required. But I have something called uh, Mupiracin, which was prescribed for just that kind of thing that you mentioned. Right. And uh, because I did go to the doctor for one of those things, and he said, here, let me give you a prescription because I said, well, I tried this and that. And he said, well, well let me prescribe something that works. Um, those were his exact words. And it, it's made all the difference in the world. I mean, this is not a, a miracle drug or anything in terms of being overnight, uh, an overnight cure, but it seems to do a lot, a lot better than these other ones. 
And so having some of that on hand, especially if you're diabetic or, or are compromised somehow, uh, seems to be a little bit of a safety measure, you know, to have in your, uh, in your medicine kit. Well, and, you know, what's really important, you could be out gardening and you just scratch yourself or you're on vacation or you're at the airport and you, uh, you know, you hit your arm and it, it bruises and it, it's open. I mean, it's important to always carry Band-Aids and cover that up with medication because if you have a cut on your hand and you don't cover it and you touch something, it's right an open wound to your bloodstream. And when you're immunocompromised, you can't fight it. And when I go to the gym now, if I have a cut like on my finger, you know, I might have missed when I was cutting an onion. <laughs> and, um, you know, you have to wrap that up. You can't take it for granted that, you know, oh, it's kind of scabbed over because if it breaks and you're, you know, on, a, on some kind of surface that has MRSA, that's how it gets into your system. Yes. And I did think about that in the hospital, too, because that's the kind of thing you you know, acquire in the hospital, and there I was with a, an invitation about, you know, eight inches long on my leg. Right. And, I, you know, what's interesting now, the last couple of times I've had to go into, you know, for a procedure, they actually asked me if I have any open wounds. Yes. It's actually part of the protocol now because they're understanding this is how people are getting MRSA. They're getting types of infections. And then, you know, you have a little cut. It might have a little MRSA in it. You have surgery. Then it, it you, you take, you know, you touch your arm where the cut is and you touch the surgery. And, I mean, that's all it takes. Right. So. I had that experience recently and they asked me the same questions. And they asked if you have ever had any sort of MRSA. Right. Because I guess there might be something residual. I don't know much about it, but uh, and if they're going to do something and break the uh, the skin barrier there, uh, they have to know about all that stuff. Well, and what you know, I've been te tested for MRSA, and I carry MRSA in my nose. Huh. And um, a lot of people in the hospital carry it. It's just you know they swab your nose, they give you stuff, but. A lot of people carry it in their nose, and I had no idea about that. I learned that. And so that's why when you're breathing and you have a wound, I mean, that's why it's spreading. It's just, you know, it's just we live with this certain bacteria, and if it gets into a, the wrong space, it, you know, causes havoc. So, um, you know, in closing, Bob, I think this is some great information that you've provided and just kind of a wake-up call because we really don't want to think that a little scratch or a little nip or, you know, if you get, if you get nipped by a dog, you need a tetanus shot or a cat or something out. You have to make sure you're up to date on things. You don't, you just try to keep them up to date, not get them after the fact. Right. And letting, uh, letting it slide. Yeah, letting it slide, thinking oh, it won't be a big deal. But but one thing I thought would be interesting, because you're an incredible voiceover artist. Yeah. And you, you, you know, one of my favorite characters is um, Iggy, who, you know, you played, he was an iguana from a... Uh, a show called Animalia, is that correct? Yes, that is correct, I must admit. Well, I want you to close with telling the skateboarder kid what you what happened to you and what, you know, tell us your thoughts about the skateboarder at the end with this voice of Iggy. Well, my young friend, at the time I wanted to strangle you, uh, but I did not, I just yelled. I swore in the parking lot and made a big scene. I'm not, well, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed, but what can I tell you? It was very emotional. Um, I'm okay now, except for a big nasty scar on my leg. And as you know, I did not sue your family or even uh, try to look you up after the fact. But I hope you'll 
I hope your skills have improved and you're not skating so much on the sidewalk in shopping centers where people are walking. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Bob, for that impromptu impersonation. That was wonderful. That's my pleasure. <laughs> and, um, you know, I hope that I don't have to see any more wounds that you send me via pictures and... You know, it's um, it's so wonderful to work with you in the community. You're um, a, a great advocate, member of the Renal Support Network board. And, you know, keep sharing your story because um, people need to know that they can't let wounds go untreated. Thank you so much, Laurie. It's been my pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.